and thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love, though, is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the 6570, those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports, it guides, it laughs, it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to NellieHarden.com slash community. Again, that's NellieHarden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. In this podcast, if you've never been here before, first of all, welcome. And if you have been here before, you know that we are talking about setting the foundations up for our children in order to build for their future. We are talking about confidence. We're talking about wisdom, all aspects of wisdom. And we are talking about respect. And in order to set that foundation, there's certain things that we need to do within the first 6,570 days of their childhood And the first part of their childhood, we're really building for them. The second half of childhood, we are building with them. And I have a special treat for you today. Teresa Jansen is going to be with us today. And she is a certified mental health coach and professional life coach and senior manager of an international development ministry. She is coming to us from Sudan. And this conversation was very impactful. Some great nuggets of wisdom in here about how exactly 
exactly to set up that foundation, what the par- what parts you absolutely need to have in order for not only the second half of childhood to go smoothly and have that base and communication uh, barriers taken down, but also how important it is for your adult children to have that foundation already. Teresa has eight grown children, so she is quite the expert on how to help and develop with your adult children, but again, based on what we have laid, the foundations we have laid within the 6570. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with this, and I hope that you have a pen and paper because there are some great nuggets of wisdom coming right up. Okay, everybody, I have given you the lowdown on how amazing Teresa is here, and I cannot wait. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nellie. It's great to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you on here. You know, life is complicated and life is messy, and especially it's much more messy in our mind than anywhere else, right? I absolutely. Ju- yes, just this morning I was having a lot. I had some major breakthroughs. I was just laying in bed and I rolled over and I uh, just was looking at the time. I had some major mental breakthroughs today, and I've been working through all of this. And I'm sitting there and I was working out actually. And I was like, you know, from the outside, it looks like this is a typical morning, like anything else. No one on the outside of me in the physical world has a clue, but on the inside of me, there's so much happening right now in my mind. And so that is really where our lives are spent. And the physical is just the expression of that, right? Or the hiding of that. Yeah. I remember even a time, one time in my life when I had had a really traumatic event happen to me, but life kept going on. I had to go to the supermarket and, you know, run errands and things like that. And I actually had that exact thought looking at the people around me saying, no one knows what I'm going through right now. So that's something I always try to keep in mind when I'm interacting with other people, especially strangers in the public as I have no idea what that man or that woman is going through right now. And so can I offer them a little bit of kindness and a smile so that I don't contribute any more to that? Yes, so much. So this story just popped into my head and I wasn't planning on sharing this, but with that, so um, my dad died when I was really young. I was one and then my my dad slash stepdad, <laughs> but my, my dad died. Uh, my mom's second husband died on 2012. And one of the things they like to do was go to the casinos in um, Northern uh, United States. And so when they live about a thousand miles away from me, so we went there obviously to help with everything going on. And after the funeral, they decided they all wanted to go to the casino is kind of like this memorial, you know, is, is this. So I'm at a casino, which I normally don't go to not against casinos or anything. I just don't normally go to them, but they do. And so they were walking around and I was looking at them and people looking at them and saying that exact same thing. Like they have no idea. We just came from a funeral. They have no idea the anguish that we've been in for the past few days. And what I did is I sat down, this was uh, again in 2012, I sat down in the, 
I don't know, food area. And I wasn't too interested in, um, in doing the slots or anything. And so I just started having conversations and it was this two person table and random people would just come and sit down because it was a crowded area. You know, can I sit here? And I'm like, yes, of course. And I was, um, I was, at that time, actually, I was uh, going through the Bible for the first time. I was a brand new, you know, uh, baby Christian uh, at that time, but I was going through the Bible and I had the Bible open, which is not normally something you see in the middle of a casino and right. so, uh, and a journal and these people would sit down and I had the most amazing conversations with these people and finding out about their I don't know. They just sat down and, and we would just engage in this conversation. And I had the three people that sat down with me that day. And one was a homeless man that was there, you know, trying to, uh, and he, you wouldn't look at him and say, oh, that's a homeless man, you know, and he was just trying to get some money in order to get dinner. And so he was trying to grow what he had. Right. And then there was a woman that was there that was just waiting for um, her sister. And we got into a whole conversation about her marriage. And then there was this other gentleman there that was having a really tough argument with his daughter. And he was just so distraught over it. And so we were able to talk about that. And I'll never forget that day. It was such a gift of a day, but to your point, and, and our point where we're going to talk about today, you never know what's happening on the inside of somebody unless you dive in and have the, that bravery to ask and the bravery to stay in the conversation. So exactly right. We don't tend to do that very much in the Western culture. I live in a culture where you do tend to call, to talk to strangers a bit more. And when I am in the United States, I always have to remind myself, oh yeah, you can't just engage anyone. Although when I do, people are oftentimes very open to it, just like you found. Yeah, yeah. Well, remind our listeners where you are in the world. <laughs> yeah, I live in Juba, South Sudan, most of the time. That's in East Africa, just to help people who don't know about African <laughs> geography very much. Yeah, so I live in East Africa. Okay, wonderful. All right, so I want to dive in a little bit. I am fascinated with stories. I am a collector of stories. I love to jump into stories. I love to write stories. I love to you know live out my own stories. So tell us a little bit about yours and how you became certified health coach, professional, uh, I'm sorry, um, certified mental health coach and professional life coach. How did you get there? What drew you there? That's a really interesting question because a lot of it has to do with the fact of where I do live and, uh, and, and what I do. I write, I speak, and I, and I work with people who are in the midst of all kinds of trauma events happening in their life. And one of my coaches, and I think everyone should have a coach, uh, one of my coaches suggested, Teresa, you really should uh, get certified as a life coach. You're doing so much of that anyway. I just always called it mentoring rather than mm -hmm. coaching. And so I looked at the different programs for life coaching, and I saw this one that was um, a mental health coach. And I thought, well, that's really interesting and very different. And it speaks to so many different aspects of what all of us in our society are going through now. There are, there are mental health issues that are very serious uh, diagnoses and things like that, schizophrenia, bipolar, those types of things. And that's not what I tend to specialize in. What I do tend to specialize in more is that anxiety, depression, um, PTSD even, and those things also are very serious and they seem endemic in our society nowadays. We just don't seem to have healthy mechanisms for coaching or for, um, oh, what's that word? 
that uh, for coping, <laughs> for coping <laughs> with the yeah. things that are happening to us. And, uh, and it is a world where there's just a lot of trauma and we're exposed to so much yes. through social media. You know, we're so connected in the world. And um, yeah, so we need a way of coping. And that's definitely true in South Sudan. In fact, I've read statistics that say actually everybody in South Sudan has been touched by trauma. And that's a scary statistic to say 100% of the population has been traumatized and it's dealing with at least some level of PTSD. That's huge. But as I went through my training and then started interacting with other people in the West as well, you know, trauma happens to everyone in their life at one point in time. And it doesn't have to be such a huge event. It could be, but a loss is a loss, no matter the cause or the loss. And so you may have a loss that to me would be nothing, but to you, it could be quite significant. And, and you have to have some coping mechanisms to get through those losses. Right. And yeah. I, and so my story as to how I got into it, that was the question. The story <laughs> is, is because of my experience here in South Sudan, and then the recommendation from my coach that I, that I get that life coaching um, certification after I finished the mental health coaching program, I decided then to add on to that, the life coaching, because of what I just described, those things go hand in hand. So yeah. it's been so helpful in my own life. I coach myself first, but then I also have other people coach me because you cannot give someone something that you don't already have. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's the, if you want to pour out onto others, you, your cup needs to be full. And so I think that's interesting living in a society where it is stated and known that 100% of the population is living with trauma of some kind. And I would agree that almost everybody in, in the world and many cultures are living with some kind of trauma. And I know in my trauma that I've lived with sometimes that was, uh, that was a sticking point for me in kind of the other side of the coin. I'm like, you know, I have this trauma, but my trauma is not worthy because that person's trauma was so much more. So don't be a crybaby. you know, lift yourself up by your bootstraps and let's go and just bury it down real, real deep, you know? And so it's, there's so many different perspectives to see in a world that has so much trauma and we do need to keep going. We do. I mean, that, that isn't, you know, we all can't crumble to the floor in anguish every day. We do need to keep going, but we also need to be able to recognize um, what's happening on the inside of us so that we can deal with that and move through it um, instead of just burying it because it all, they're like the gophers, right? It always pops back up, always pops back up. It'll come up. Yeah. And trauma is cumulative stress. Also just everyday stress is cumulative. So even if you don't have a big traumatic event that happens in your life, daily stress will accumulate over time and then can reach the point of crisis. If you don't have a way of managing it, if you're just stuffing it and ignoring it. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about what you've seen trends that you have seen in your work, um, that you've read about that you've just witnessed in the world trends, um, that you've seen people struggling more or less with over the course of your career and kind of where we're at right now, a a temperature gauge, if you will, of where we're at right now. Well, you know, all trends come in different kinds. There are positive trends as well as negative trends. And one of the positive trends that I really see happening in the world right now and in, in our culture right now is 
the um, transparency that people tend to have in their lives. When I grew up and was younger, it was very much a culture where you put on your brave face before you went out the door. You know, you had to smile and pretend everything was okay, even when it wasn't. And certainly there's still times when we all just have to do that. But this is a culture um, today where people are a little bit more empathetic and understanding that people are going through different things. And people tend to be a little bit more transparent about some of the things that they didn't used to talk about. You know, one of the things we see in statistics is things like um, sexual violence. It's, it seems to be increasing. Whether it's increasing or not, I don't know, but certainly people are talking about it, whereas before they didn't talk about it. And uh, so that's the good side. One of the good things is that we have more transparency. We're able to be a bit more vulnerable about where we are and open about it and expect less ridicule from society as a result. So people tend to be more open and accepting with people uh, regardless of where they are. On the other side of that, um, we are also in this increasingly anything goes type mm. of society and everything is okay. And there, we really have a difficult time finding that measuring stick for which we can measure truth, for which we can measure morality and for which we can measure even success. Because when you have this um, anything goes thing happening, that's actually one of the challenges that young people have today as they're growing up is is knowing when they have reached that age of capability, that age of being all right in the world, because you don't even have to reach a point of being successful and independent because it's okay if you're not. And so that's one of the challenges that we have. What is a positive in one sense also can be a negative where just everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have four daughters right now who are all in the second half of childhood. So I have 12, 14, 14, 16, and we definitely run into that. And we've been through every kind of schooling program there is. Um, and that is one thing that we keep running into over and over again is that, that measuring stick of morality, truth, or like even, even justice and judging, right? Like, so many, I, I keep saying this and I keep seeing this and, and we serve out in the public with um, a bunch of kids that are in the second half of childhood as well. And it's the don't label me, don't label me, don't label me. Everything is okay. By the way, this is my label and this is who I am. Um, by the okay. way, it's going to change three times until, you know, before Thursday. And they, and it, it really is so difficult for kids today. I feel like with everything recorded, everything is, you know, being screenshotted. You can't make a mistake without it coming and biting you two, three, four, ten 10 years later. And, you know, people are, are, are running into trouble that we never would have run into before had our lives not been always recorded, which is a dangerous place to be um, for sure. And so I, I resonate with that a lot. I, I have seen that trend happening of, everything is okay. So the parent needs to step in then and sometimes play the bad guy, so to speak, or that's the way that the kids perceive it as well. Everything is okay out there. Why are you trying to put boundaries on me in here? 
right. You know, it used to be there was a really limited number of influencers in a child's life. And the number of influencers in in an individual's life at any stage of life is immeasurable now. You can't even count the number of people who are speaking into the life of your child. You know, at at one point in time, the whole thing was um, home, school, church. Those were your, your neighborhood, homeschool, church, neighborhood. Right. And that was about it. But now you have the entire world and all sorts of cultures, countercultures, people with all kinds of values speaking into the life of your child. And so how to make culture of the home develop the culture that you want to uh, nourish in your child is really something that parents have to be intentional about because you're building the foundation for what they will be taking with them as they step out into life and make their own decisions. That right there is exactly right. And it reminded me, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, we just started, we were watching Netflix and there was this uh, great show. I love it. It's called School of Chocolate. And there's this uh, chef on there. But what shocked me is that we started the show. We're like, oh, this looks really neat. It was a great show. Highly recommend. But we turn it on and my oldest daughter's like, oh yeah, that's chef. I can't pronounce his name. It's French. And she was like, that's chef. So-and-so he's from here. This is what he does. I saw him make this. I was like, you know, this guy, like what in the world? This is just some random guy that was a chef on TV, but she's been following him for a while and knew all about him. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. You know? Um, but yeah, there's influencers everywhere. And what are they influencing is the big question. Right. And people have the ability to have a voice now, which is really wonderful. I'm glad that people have a voice, Mm -hmm. but you also have to realize your children have ears (laughs) and they're listening to these voices and they have eyes and they are seeing things like never before The, the exposure is just out of this world. And so like in my era, when, um, we just didn't talk about things, Parents don't have that as an option anymore. Right. Uh, not only do you have to talk about things, you have to talk about things you're uncomfortable with because if you don't, someone else will. And you have to be able to have that conversation with your child. Right. And those are some very difficult conversations and something that I work through a lot in my um, coaching programs is how to have those difficult conversations because we're training ourselves. We're, we're having to learn and grow alongside of our kids so much right now, because no one has ever parented kids going through these things right now. And these kids are obviously having new experiences that they've never had before too. So that vulnerability, that coexistence vulnerability, and the family as a team, you and I were doing this together and I'm still the leader, but we're going to learn and get through this together. Right. Right. And the, and the good news is, is this is a generation that's pretty okay with that. You know, my generation, we expected our parents to have the answers, just give me the answer, you know, but this generation is pretty okay with that transparency and the, and the parents saying, okay, let's figure this out together. And that's a really good thing. But I really have to caution people. If your child comes to you with something that scares you, disturbs you, frightens you, you know, um, is totally against everything you believe in. Just try not to respond too emotionally or shocked. Just try and develop that internal check valve that you can say, okay, (laughs) you know, and now where then ask a question rather than 
giving whatever your viewpoint is. And I really, before you offer your viewpoint, ask a dozen questions or more and listen to what your child is thinking before you offer something in return, because you're going to understand more about where they're coming from and why they're thinking and and experiencing what they're experiencing. They may actually just be testing the waters with you to see how you're going to respond to something that could be quite shocking. And um, if you come back in a shocked manner, that can just push them in, in that direction all the more. But instead, if you ask a question, or if you say, well, you know, it's pretty normal to have thoughts like that mm-hmm. at this age. And then you enter a dialogue about the situation. That's going to be much better than if you have a monologue, especially one with a lot of emotion. Yeah, no, I totally agree that curiosity has to be in there because you could react with something that you're saying and it's totally, you know, left field from, uh, the path that they took to get there. So you're just wasting your time, your emotion and building a wall between you and your child that doesn't need to be there. And then once the conversation is over or paused, you can shut the door and you can have your own freak out moment. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That is your time to express your own mental, (laughs) whatever you're going through. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a good time to check in with someone who, who knows something. It's a great time to make a coaching appointment or something like that because, oh my goodness, we need some uh, other voices to speak into us too. Like you said, we are parenting in a, an environment that no one has ever parented before. Now, my kids were on the backside of that. My kids are all grown and we touched on that, but they are also young adults right now in their um, early to late twenties, some in their early thirties now. Uh, wow. I don't know how that happened. They've almost caught me, <laughs> but um you know, they're, they're still going through those things. And I talked to one of my um, younger adult children recently, and we were talking about the temptations, the, the challenges that the young people are facing today. And especially when it comes to, um, you know, sexual identity, gender dysphoria, those types of things that are all over our society and culture. That's the hot topic, right? Sure is. And I asked her, you know, with, so with you and your stage, what is it that is your temptation. And I really had no idea what she was going to come back with, but I would never know the answer if I didn't ask her. And what she told me, the the challenge she faces is um, the after work social hour with Mm. her colleagues, you know, that everyone goes to the bar after work. And that's not necessarily what she wants to do after work, but she feels the social pressure, but she knows it's not going to feed her financial future that she wants. It's not going to feed her. She's, she's still in college and things like that, even though she works full time and she has other things she needs to do. Good news is she has an easy out, but there's still a a social expectation there that she has to struggle with. So it doesn't end when our kids turn 18 either. They still have to negotiate things. Absolutely. And that's why we need to set them up during this time in order to be able to make, you know, decisions then and, and be uh, confident and have that wisdom and respect um, later on. And yeah, so I have a 16 year old and we're going to be transitioning into early adulthood later on, or like not too 
you know, long from now she turns 17 next month. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's all coming, but speaking of kids, I wanted to jump in. So you have eight adult children and (laughs) you do, you have eight adult children and with all of that. And you mentioned it, uh, this was a mixed family and, and so or blended family. And so, um, with all of that comes a lot of friction and turmoil during some times and then your own life. Right. And so you've shared that you've had some dramatic ups and downs along the way. So can you share a little bit about some of those and, and more importantly, uh, might be what came from those. Right. Yeah. You know, our kids are individuals. And I know that seems like the obvious stating that, but when we are raising them, we think that we are creating this little person that's going to follow the things that we teach them. Right. And we do a lot of molding and shaping and teaching. And then all of a sudden they have their own ideas and thoughts and they begin expressing them and then they begin acting on them. And so They, um, at various stages, some of my children have gone through some really difficult times. One of my daughters ended up in a relationship that was filled with domestic violence. Now Mm. she, she and I talk on this subject. I'm not, she has, we have permission here. And I've even (laughs) written a story on this that I contributed to a book that came out in 2021. And we're currently writing her whole story. Hmm. But she ended up uh, leaving home at the age of 17. That's not the ideal age for a child to to leave home. But she was only three months before her 18th birthday. And so then a parent has to decide, how much am I going to fight for this? You know, am I going to fight to keep her in my home for three more months? You know, and that's different in different states, even what is the legal age of majority? Because we're in Michigan, where I was living, even though the legal age of majority is 18, if your 17-year-old runs away from home, you're not going to get any help from the police. They don't bring a 17-year-old home, okay? And so even she had had moved out, moved in with this guy at the age of 17, three months before her 18th birthday. It turned out to be an abusive relationship that ended really in in tragedy. And in the story, we share that... um, she actually had to fight for her life. Mm. And during that moment, she was in a kill or be killed situation. She actually killed her abuser. And that's one of the journeys that I have walked on, um, walked along with my child. And then the aftermath of that. And so this is a very dramatic situation that most people thankfully don't experience. But our children are building their own life. They're building on the foundation that we laid for them right? But they have their own building materials. And they, they're building with bricks. And sometimes they're building with paper mache, you know, and, (laughs) and eventually it falls down. But the good news is, is if, if I look at my life, did I do everything right? Did I always build on the foundation that my mother laid? I didn't. Sometimes all of the blocks toppled over and I had to begin again. But that foundation was still there. And it's the relationship that is going to be foundational with your child. As they start piling bricks on top of the foundation that you, that you helped build in their life, if those bricks are not going in the direction that you want them to go in, you have a few choices. And it really depends on the relationship you have with your child. Um, but if your child is not in a, in a place where they're willing to listen, then I would encourage you, this isn't the time to speak 
that doesn't do any good to talk to someone who's not going to listen to you. And all you're going to do is build a wall between you and your child. Um, it is the time to keep the door open and your mouth shut at times. Now, if your child is building something wonky and they're willing to listen to you, great, have those conversations. You have to create environments that are going to build the relationship because you're no longer in a situation where you can send them to their room, where you can make them at least sit there while you talk to them. That's not the, choice, the, the case anymore. They are people who are adults, whether or not you agree, they're adults and you have to now earn the right to speak into their life. And that's a very different situation than what, what you had just shortly before. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. This is, you know, I, I work with um, parents and uh, with kids in the second half of childhood because, and I think I mentioned this before, you know, I, I view it as in the first half of uh, parenthood, you're building for them, right? You're, you have that found those very, very basic foundational pieces that you're really putting in place. And then, you know, later elementary, they start having experiences outside of your life, right? They start having friends, they go to sporting events, they have uh, different um, things that are happening at school that you're not as involved with as, the, as you were when they were in, say, second grade, and you got a note home every day with what little Johnny did or, or what have you, you know? And so you're built, you have to pivot to building with them. And that's a parenting transition that can often be hard. And a lot of uh, people, I know that when I was, uh, you know, a, a long time ago, when I didn't know about that transition, then I thought it was just childhood for 18 years. And then there's the first transition of parenthood, not the case, right? We have to build for them. Then they, like you said, start having those opinions. They start having ideas. They start adventuring out on their own, testing the waters and things. And then you build with them. And that doesn't mean that you're still not the parent It you're, you're the guide, you're the leader there, but if you don't incorporate them in the building with, you know, with them, then they're just going to say, yeah, never mind. I'm not in second grade anymore. You can't rule me. You're not the boss of me, right? You get all of the, right. all of the typical things coming back. So you really have to go in as a team effort and build with them um, in order to prepare them for adulthood. And then it keeps going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have to prepare because there sometimes are seasons in life where you're no, not even able to build with them. Sometimes you have to sit back and just watch them build. And, you know, for me, that's when I, I've, I drop to my knees. I'm a praying person. Sometimes that's all you can do yes. and wait, pray and wait. Um, and you know what I pray for though? This is a, what I pray for is in those moments when I cannot speak into the life of my child, I pray that someone else comes along who can't speak into their life. Because looking back again to my life, my ups and downs and rights and wrongs and all those things, it wasn't always my mom who right. spoke into my life. Sometimes it was someone else. And it, hopefully that foundation, when all the blocks come tumbling down or some of the blocks come tumbling down, that foundation is there and the child will come back. And I will tell you what has happened in the life of my daughter who went through this incredible tragedy is that today she is an advocate for people who are in oppressive and abusive relationships, both men and women. 
Uh, some people might think that she would be all girl power and stuff, but no, she'll actually call, call women out and say, you know, that's not the right way to treat another human being. She is about respecting people as people. And she's quite an advocate today. And as she continues to heal, um, her voice will be stronger. And, and she has a story that she can really share with people. Mm. Uh, but it's a, it's a healing process that doesn't happen overnight. Oh, yes. I, I know that. Um, okay. So I just want, before we uh, close out today, we've had such, I have, I have page of notes here. I can't wait. Um, so I want to just see if there's any quick tips that you can share uh, for in your line of work that people can maybe enact right now in order to try and pivot for the better, try to open up, try to recognize what's happening internally so they can start living through and going forward a little bit better today. Yeah. I think that first thing that I said about earning the right to be, uh, to speak into another person's life when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're talking about adults, you know, and that begins back though, when, before the kids are adults, are you communicating with them with respect and working through things with them before? Because if you haven't laid that good communication foundation, when they're younger, don't expect to all of a sudden uh, have that just because they're adults. The other thing is to give yourself a little bit of grace none of us are perfect parents. <laughs> you know, we, we are learning. As you said, I told my oldest daughter, she was the, the test model. Sorry, you're the experimental one. <laughs> and I had to try everything out. The thing is, is that they're all different. So each and every one of them has turned out to be experimental, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so give yourself some, some grace, you're learning and growing too. And don't expect to, to do everything perfect and apologize when you yes. need to apologize. An apology can go a long way, but don't assume that it's going to be received right away. And then in those cases where a child has become distant and withdrawn, know that this is a season of life. It likely will not last forever, though it may seem that way. And so you just continue um, to pray, to keep the door open, whatever your method is, keep the door open. And remember, you can't talk to someone who's not willing to listen. And so you you have two ears, one mouth. You should be doing (laughs) twice as much listening as what you do speaking. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That was amazing. And such great, uh, just work there for reflection on what's happening in parenting right now, what in uh, casting vision to what that could uh, lead to in the future and being able to establish that foundation of communication, right? And you're building in them that confidence, respect, and wisdom to help them become even stronger adults. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all of your ideas in your heart and just being able to share your own experiences and help others along the way. Thank you, Nellie. It's been great. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week on the next episode of the 6570 Family Project, where we are building our kids day by day to help them become even stronger young adults in the future. I'll see you later. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. 
The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, nellieharden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you love the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.